Hi there. It's me, Laura Wasser, the divorce attorney and the founder of It's Over Easy, the online divorce service. I've been practicing family law for over 20 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, shepherding people through what may be one of the most terrifying times in their lives. Along the way, I often have to remind people to lower their expectations. When dealing with matters of the heart, rules simply don't apply because all's fair in love and war. So welcome to the All's Fair podcast. Fasten your seatbelts and let's go. This is the time where my plucky sidekick, Johnny (laughs) Rains, and I, Laura Wasser, go through everything in the world of relationships, breakups, makeups, marriages, estrangements, and we cull it from the internet and the news and we tell you about it. Johnny, say hello. Well, hello, everyone. This week, uh, we have a kind of numerology for ghosting, the apps to save your relationship, and the simplest way to end a fight with your significant other so that you both feel better. Aw, isn't that nice? First? Yes. Eight things to say at the end of a date if you have no intention of seeing them again. I'm sure you have some choice uh, things in your back pocket that you might have said once or twice on a date. Uh. I, there's, I mean, really, since Johnny and I started doing this, there has become such a rhetoric for this kind of a thing. Absolutely. I mean, I we didn't have this when I was dating. No. It would just be like, bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't say anything. But evidently, if you say something like, hey, I'd love to do this again sometime, mm-hmm. and then nobody follows up, or one person doesn't follow up, then you've ghosted them, which I think is interesting. Or, so, or crumb, breadcrumbing, wasn't crumbing, that another yeah, thing that, we heard? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so basically, if you're not into the date, yes. okay, but you still don't want to be a dick... Here's some of the things that you can say. To um, end a date pleasantly without being mean. Right. Do you know how to get home? <laughs> like that what about here, take my leftovers? <laughs> here, take my leftovers. Give your pup a kiss for me. Because, you know, I'll never be seeing that pup. This one I didn't agree with. Because if somebody says to me, let me know when you get home safely, yeah. they actually want to hear from me again. So I'm I not going to, I barely let my current significant other know when I've gotten home <laughs> safely. But here's my favorite. Yeah. And this is likely one that I've used in the past. Mm, let me see if I can guess. Number eight. Mm-hmm. Honestly, <laughs> you're kind of a shit date. I mean, honesty is the best policy. I agree. If you're not into it, yeah, lie. let him know. All right. Um, and by the way, that was written by Taylor Andrews for Cosmopolitan Online. I guess People need to know this. Absolutely, absolutely. If Here's a good one. You know how at weddings, you know, they ask a moment if anybody has any objection. If not, yes, forever it's like hold a soap peace. opera moment, right? Exactly. When so it, these are 16 wedding or marriage objection stories that um, this person witches that they witnessed. Yes, and this, this is from um, BuzzFeed. Ryan Shockett. Ouch. And as always with the BuzzFeed articles, the memes in the online on your phone or on your computer are just hilarious. Associated with these. These eyewitness accounts of wedding objections may make you forever hold your peace. There were so many good ones, as I was saying, with the memes attached. But um, what about number four, the accidental objection? I like that one. That's something that would happen to me. (laughs) Read it. I accidentally objected to a wedding. It was my first time taking the train, and I walked into the wrong station. It was a wedding venue. I was trying to find my track. I was randomly opening doors. I opened the doors at the perfect time as they were asking if anyone objected. It was quiet and awkward and loud all at the same time. (laughs) This one I liked. This mid-ceremony fiasco. I was at a wedding between one of my really good friends and her fiancé. 
Will, who she had been with for nearly four years. In the middle of the ceremony, my brother, who was a year younger than the groom, Will, Mm. stood up and yelled, we can't live this lie anymore, Will, and proceeded to run up to the front of the chapel and kiss the groom. (gasps) Instead of objecting, the groom kissed him back and professed his undying love to him. My friend immediately burst into tears and started screaming about all the time he had cost her. She ran out of the chapel and I followed her. Well, but for the guys, at least I know. Scintillating. And they're already there at the chapel. So, I mean, they saved a little. In the bargain. Uh, Finally. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) When my mom married my dad, my dad kept asking her, are you sure? You don't have to do this. (laughs) Love it. Moving on. um, This is something that I think you you might like. Five relationship apps for couples to share finances, feelings, and calendars. Because I know you're kind of a techie girl now. Yeah, that's me, the techie. We actually, you know, Donnie and I are really into this because we have the It's Over Easy website. And we're always looking for good apps for people who are co-parenting. And I love this one for couples to share finances, feelings, and calendars. This comes to us from Fatherly, and they always give us some good shit. Yes. The publication is Love, Money, and Relationships on Fatherly. So did you read about this app, Johnny? I did read about it, and it's actually very interesting. When you sent me this article, I was determined to give some of these apps a try yes. with my longtime uh, husband. And uh, I unfortunately, he was not interested in the Love Nudge app, which is based on Dr. Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages, which I know resonated for you and I. So I'm not really sure if these actually work or not. Oh. We didn't right. get very far. Okay. Well, yeah, that's the same thing that happened with that one company that sponsored us to lose weight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny is like 300 pounds, you guys, just so you know. All right. And Part finally. Part of me is 300 pounds. Johnny <laughs> can barely get in the car. This one phrase helps turn a fight into a problem to solve. Yes. By Brittany Wong. We know her at HuffPost. Love her. You and your mate are in the relationship together. And in this article, top psychologists are the number one phrase to bring you both down to earth in a heated discussion or argument. Do you know what it is? I do. It is. Yes, it is. We're both on the same team. Which I kind of don't even know if I agree with, but I get the point. Yeah. But like we're on the same team. You know what I would say if Matt said that to me? Doesn't <laughs> but, seem like you're on my team at all in fact, right now. I'm cutting you right Bye-bye. now. You're yeah. cut from the team. Go sit on the bench. But again, they said that this works and certainly maybe maybe next yes. time you and Michael talk about using the nub, love nudge thing. Yes. I'll you just remind them we're, on we're both on the same team. Yeah, marriage therapists say invoking those two words, same team, supposedly in some ways or in some way or another, just may be the quickest path to de-escalating an argument. Interestingly and dovetailingly, we are actually talking about an app that would possibly have the title "same team" for co-parenting um, True. parents, and so yep. that I thought that was interesting. I sent it to Bob. In any event, if you decide to call it quits because perhaps you're not quite on the same team after all, that's okay too, because the end of one relationship can be an evolution into something great. Just ask our next guest, Allie Webb, the founder of Dry Bar. I'm going to be in trouble (laughs) after this interview. Stay tuned. I know it's never going to be a fun process, but one thing is for sure. There is life after divorce. My job is to make it easier for people to move to that next stage of their lives, especially if they're co-parenting in an amicable and cost-effective way. Rather than the end of something, I want you to shift your perspective so you can see that it's really the start of something new. But getting there may seem easier than done. That's why it's so important to have a village around you. Whether it's friends, family, or a support group at your church or local high school, it's critical that you talk about it. Let it out, maybe take up yoga or meditation, 
Anger and acrimony show on your face, and that scowl may make meeting somebody new or even just a bunch of new friends a challenge. My advice is to do something nice for yourself. Get a blowout, for example. Or if you're a dude, I hear a hot towel shave at a barbershop is totally relaxing and inexpensive. The point is something small that you do for yourself can help you feel better as you do the work to manifest happiness in your next chapters. And speaking of blowouts and the little things that make us feel better, my guest today is the person who coined the phrase, when my hair looks good, I can do anything. I totally agree with this. She's the founder of the Blowout Empire Dry Bar, and she's also the co-founder of the new app-based massage chain, Squeeze. She's a sister podcaster, a best-selling author, and she's adding TV personality to her resume as a guest investor on ABC's Shark Tank. Please welcome to All's Fair, Allie Webb. Hey, Allie. Hi. I love that intro. I know. Everything it's good, right? When they, tell you, when they say so, all the good stuff. I feel stuff. so inspired now. <laughs> so much of that is true. So that you're really amazing? No. <laughs> well, yes, but no. No, the beginning part about... <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, the beginning part about the scowl on your face and like life after divorce. It's, See, you're it's younger than me. I've seen some of these women that really are hanging out of their divorce and they have those frown lines there. And I'm like, lady, you got to get yeah. past that. You have to just let it go. Yeah. That well, therein lies like one of the most difficult things a human can do is yes. like let go. I feel like I've been reading every book under the sun and it's like there's that is such a message that screams from these books is like you've got to let go you got to loosen your grip and to get on with your and life and I think it is easier said than done and again oh, if you're so in the process maybe you just cut bangs and have them blow dry straight over the <laughs> over the scowl lines actually no don't cut don't bangs don't cut bangs that's Whatever a, that's you do, a don't myth go, yeah, okay. yeah bangs are so hard to maintain and deal with as a hair person yes they I usually had go wrong for the first I'd say probably 13 years of my life, which my mother cut herself. Oh. And I always looked like Mo from the Three Stooges. Yeah, they were always like good. super high up, which is chic now, but it wasn't a good look in the, in the 70s and, and it 80s. may be chic now, but I think it's like a very hard look to pull off for most women. Yes. I think like a longer shaggy, like sideswept, like Bridget Bardot bang right. is acceptable. But it's like, it's just, it's a tough thing, especially if you have like, weird like hairline issues which honestly most, most women people do. do yeah but right, i can so, talk about hair well let's talk day. a little bit about background on hair so yes. you're from florida so you've always been dealing with frizz yeah well frizz i was factor. born in new york and grew okay. up in south florida and yeah the, just the humidity in south florida and i have naturally curly hair so it was just amplified and my hair was like a frizzy mess all the time and i hated it when did you become a hairstylist? Like, when did you get into that? Because so, you were doing something else yeah. before, right? Well, I, I, I jumped around a lot. I mean, I, I feel like in my mind, I was always a hairstylist. Like, okay. from the time I was a little girl, I used to beg my mom to blow out my hair, who was not a professional hairstylist and frankly didn't, God rest her soul, didn't do a great job, but right. did it nonetheless. And I, it's funny because when I was young, even all those years ago, when my mom would blow out my hair, I, I was like, I loved it. And I couldn't articulate back then, like, why I loved it, but I just felt better because my hair was usually so crazy and unruly when my hair was blown out it was just like straight and I, I guess I felt more polished and put together and anyway so I you know spent I feel like all of high school in my bathroom trying to figure out how to blow out my own hair unsuccessfully in like I think my senior year of high school I worked at a hair salon as a receptionist and so they would blow dry my hair for free and I was just mystified by how they did it and I was I was truly mystified by all of it like I, I wondered how Christy Brinkley and Cindy Crawford, like those were the big supermodels of our... It's called not Jewish, but okay, that's yeah. how they did it. But that's okay, true. That's true, but there is a way to get frizzy. Like, look at Jennifer Aniston. Like, right. she's got, you know, that crazy frizzy hair. People may not know that. Even like Gwyneth Paltrow, like they all have that like crazy frizzy hair, but they get blowouts all the time. Right. And I just 
didn't know how to do it and wanted to learn how to do it on myself so badly. And it just became this like little obsession of mine. And so after high school and all of my friends were going to college and knew what they wanted to major in, I didn't know. And I was so lost. And I went to traditional college for a year. I mean, I didn't really go to class. And I was like, this is not the place for me. And then I moved to New York City and I wanted to work in fashion. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then- And my, you were working with your brother then, yes? Right, my brother, and I, my brother okay. and I both worked for Nicole Miller. I was working at the Soho store which is sadly not there anymore, no. but it, I was like managing that store. My brother was working in the corporate office and then we decided to move back to South Florida, open up a couple of Nicole Miller boutiques, like franchises. And we did that. And I was back in Florida after having lived in New York for a couple of years. And I was like running two retail operations between Boca Raton and Miami. And I was like, this is not what I want to be doing. And my brother and I were fighting a lot. It was, and my brother and I have always been super close. He's like my best friend in the world. But that time was really taxing and hard on us. And and it just wasn't my passion. And so and we, Michael and I were fighting so much that I was like, I got to I gotta stop doing this. This is not what I want to do. And that's kind of when I made the decision to go to beauty school. And that was probably, I was like 21-ish. Okay. And so then I went What's to beauty school. What's the age difference between you and your brother? Three and a half years. He's, He's older. He's older. Okay. Yeah. And balder and balder bald. okay yes. so no, no blowouts for michael okay no blowouts for michael um anyways so he, he him and i decided to part ways which is which is a whole other story in itself i was so scared to like tell him i didn't want to do this with him anymore and made the the leap to go to beauty school and was like the best decision i ever made i mean i truly remember it like it was yesterday like walking in this like little crappy beauty school which i don't even think exists this anymore. is in florida or this new york south florida okay because I had, at that point, I was living back right. in Florida. And so, you know, we decided to like, be you know, sell Nicole Miller and go our separate ways. And so I started beauty school and I was like, it was like one of those movie moments where I was like, I found my thing. And so I remember- not like Frenchie in Greece where she had to drop out because she no, got her hair pink. Okay. Out. No, that wasn't <laughs> me. I loved every single second of it. I loved the people. I loved the atmosphere. And I, I was so happy to be learning about hair. The irony is that you don't actually really learn how to do hair that well in most beauty schools unless you're going to like a Tony and Guy or a Veda but I wasn't I was going to like this hole in the wall place I still loved it though and I was working for a guy who owned a hair salon and he really like taught me everything he knew and I you know I learned I truly his name is John Peters and he's still in in South Florida and I learned so very much from him and I'm forever grateful because I also learned how to run a salon right inadvertently because I was watching him and I was his assistant so I knew all the bullshit that went on behind the scenes because he was managing the people on the salon so I was getting I feel like I've gotten an education in so many different ways in my life that I didn't even realize I was getting and that was a big one because I worked for him for so many years and he really took me under his wing and taught me everything he knew then I, you know, I graduated beauty school. I worked for John for a long time. And then I moved to New York City and also did hair at John Sahag, who was a very famous sure. hairdresser in his day. And then after doing that for a couple of years, I was like, you know, and now I'm like 25, 26. And I was like, I think I want to do something else. And I had a bunch of friends in New York City who were working in PR at Rogers and Cowan, which sure. is, you know, one of the big ones. And they were working with all these like cool celebrities and musicians. And I was like, I want to go do that for a while. So I started working in the music department under Paul Freundlich, who's kind of known in that space. And that was also really fun. And I just had a great time. And I think I was like doing what you're supposed to do in your 20s. I was jumping all over the place. and finding herself. I was finding myself. And then, and I remember John Sahag, who sadly he's not alive anymore, but him like saying, I don't think you should leave the hair industry. You're so good at it. You should stick with this. And I'm like, I was so humble that he right. said that to me because he was like hair god. Right. But I was like, yeah, but no, I'm going to go do this. And so I started, you know, working in PR and I loved it. And I think at that job, I really learned how to like write and 
you know, compose a professional email and things right. like I think the lessons that I didn't get, I guess, when I was in college. And so that was a really fun and exciting time. And at that time, I met my now ex-husband, Cam, and we were, you know, living in New York City. And then he worked in advertising. And so that brought us back to the West or brought us to the West Coast, first San Francisco and then L.A., which is how I ended up back here. Started my after. Well, we had I'm getting ahead of myself, but we had two kids. I was a stay at home mom, which, by the way, I thought was like the greatest gig ever and was like this that's it for me this right. is what I'm, I'm doing out. for the rest of my life and I don't have to work anymore and this is great and then after five years of that I was like oh shit I would like to work again like I, I feel like I need to use my brain and I'm not like I'm, I wasn't like um, fulfilled enough right. even though I love my kids dearly I just felt like I needed to do something for myself and so I started my mobile blow-dry business straight at home which I love that title I'd never heard of that I'm sure a lot of my Brentwood friends probably use well, it I just was yeah, too far east it, it to was ever like, have benefited from that evidently because I was living in Santa Monica at the time and so my majority of my clients were like Palisades mm-hmm. Brentwood and a little bit east but not really and so I you know built started building this business and Cam who is a creative guy like made me he was it was really truly one of my first marketing lessons because he's just a genius he's such a creative you know genius and he made made me a one-page website and he was like if the website's cute people will call you sure. so we had this cute name this one-page cute website I put it up all over town on like mommy blogs and all that stuff and sure enough people started calling me I was only charging 40 bucks that's what I was gonna ask you so you were yeah. charging 40 bucks which is I think what dry bar was when you started 35. as well right dry 35, bar was 35. Even okay and it was just you just me. Okay. With like a duffel bag and my Nissan Xterra right. like running around town, blow drying all my mommy friends when they were like babies were napping. And so much about that business informed really what became Dry Bar because, you know, first of all, and you've been into Dry Bar. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, all good. over the country, okay, by good. the way. I was just in one in New York on Saturday. <laughs> okay, good. So you, you know, you know how it's a bar and you're sitting in, you know, you're sitting at a bar, you're watching a movie. So a lot of so many things came out of operating that mobile business because I was doing clients hair like in their living room or their kitchen never like in front of a mirror like a traditional hair salon when you're sitting in front of a mirror and I found that it took the pressure off of me as a stylist to get their hair where I wanted it before they could see it and for them That's as actually, a client. I never even thought about that because I'm always either watching like the yeah. rom-com on the thing yeah. or I'm on my phone working. And they yeah. do. They don't turn you around until the, the very end. Reveal. And I always say to people, like, they never disappoint. Like, I've never gotten uh-huh. a bad blowout at Dry Bar ever. Like, it Makes doesn't matter so where you are, uptown, downtown. If you're in Santa Monica, I always go to the one on Sunset Boulevard. I mean, I yeah. always go. Like, there's people there that I just know. And some of my friends are like, why don't you just, there's people that'll come to your house. And I'm like, I don't want to be at my house, yeah. man. I want to go and then I want to leave. It's kind it's of like so Charlie true. Sheen about the, said about the hookers. Like, it's better <laughs> rather than paying them to that leave, I pay comparison. them so that I can leave. Like, I don't yeah. want them all cleaning up their stuff. Just bye-bye. Bye. I'm out. I, you know, it's so funny because I, I hear that from time to time. And, you know, because my business started as a mobile business, right. when we first started Dry Bar, we did have a component called Dry on the Fly, right. which we would go to people's homes. But I'll tell you, it was so it was such an infrequent request. There, there's a, definitely a subset of women who want someone to come to their house right. and they just want that. And I get it. And, so, you know, and sometimes I get it. It's easier, especially if like you have a bunch of kids and you can't right. leave and whatever. But 
I think the majority, truly the vast majority of women feel like you. They're like, I want to get away from my house. I want to get away from my kids or my husband or whatever. Because Drybar is like kind of a safe haven for women. You can work on your laptop. You can watch a movie. You can space out. You can do whatever you want. But it's like 45 minutes of your own time. And yes. there is something about someone coming to your house. There is a lot of like Well, then I have to like clean for the dry bar late. Like I yeah. just want to co- go. Yeah, I back. get it. I don't love people coming to my house right. for that either. I like to get out too. So we ran that part of the business for a while and we kind of tried to, you know, to do it more, but it just wasn't worth it because not enough women were doing it, you know? So I know there's, there's certainly other companies that do it, but they're doing like makeup and well, yes, nails if I have and to do both, too, then I that, have them come to the right, house because then I also can't stand wasting time. So they're both there. They're doing it at the same right. time. That's fine. Yeah. But I mean, I think, you know, probably what you and so many women love about Dry Bar is the whole experience. And, you know, you're getting a great blowout and that's all we do. Yes. Oh, so what we were saying is they don't turn you around to the end. So you're not, which I can also imagine. One of the things that I'm sure that you learned when you were working with John was you do have to be like a bit of a therapist when you're doing somebody's beauty. Okay. So, and certainly their hair, they come in, they've got their little magazine articles that they've clipped and you're like, bitch, you're never looking like Giselle, (laughs) but okay. And then you're doing it the whole time. Which is funny that you say that because we purposely have have never put like supermodels or right. even really Normal models people. in our right. lookbooks because yeah I'm not going to show you a picture of Giselle to your point and be like yeah you can look like this right. it's like we want you to look like the best version of, of you, you exactly you know? and that was always the motivator I'm like I'm just I want this to be attainable and and price wise and all of that it was like it's, it's affordable luxury and attainable beauty you know which and, that there was that niche in the market you guys filled it in an amazing way Question, when you are hiring, because I've also noted, just because this is how my brain works, you guys have every ethnicity, you have, there's transgender people that are working there, you have everything there, so, and is that... Purposeful? Yes, conscious. totally. I mean, I think it's, I guess purposeful, but also it's not like, we don't, I think that we're just so about like, we want everybody, all shapes, sizes, colors, ethnicities, you name it. And, you know, it's like if you're a nice person, you're good at hair, you you know, you like that's that's the criteria. It and doesn't do they matter have to, to have anything a, else. A license? They do have to have okay. a license. I mean, not to be a bartender, but to do hair, to even right. truly touch or wash hair in, okay. in the United States, you have to have a license. So, okay. yes, they have to be licensed. But, yeah, I mean, it's like. We want, it's one of our core values, like that, you you know, be yourself, tattoos, piercings, whatever. You know, we, we've definitely embraced that. And that's a huge part of our culture that like, just be who you are. I love that. And it's really yeah. funny. Like, it depends where I am. But if I've been into them, like, you can totally see like the Brentwood girls. There's like 12 <laughs> blonde girls in there that are getting ready for like a wedding shower. Like, yeah. they just came from UCLA or SC or whatever. Yeah. And then when I'm up on Sunset, you'll definitely see a different kind of totally. people. It's really, really interesting just to watch. But what I love is how well you know, spaced all of the people that are working there are. Yeah. And I, like I said, they they don't turn you around until the end. So nobody's sitting there watching your every move and telling you what to do, it's which nice. I think is it great. Does it does probably take the off. pressure off. And yeah. you can move them through more quickly. Yeah. And then they turn you around at the very end. And I'll look up and be like, oh, like fucking great. This is awesome. I'm out. They've but never, exactly ever done a bad job. But that's exactly what happened in my mobile business is because I was doing women's hair like in their kitchen in your living room, they could, they never saw right. it until I was like, okay, I'm done. And then you can go look. And there there was one client and she knows who this woman named Stephanie Parsky. And she I've mentioned her name in articles and stuff before because she'd never even had a blowout. And a friend like requested me to go and do her hair. And when I was done with her hair, she literally like squealed. She was like, oh my God. 
Like she was so excited about her hair because she'd never had a blowout and she had gorgeous hair. So it was like so easy to make it look great. And I I remember explaining that to our architect. Like I want to recreate this moment that that the happened. Stephanie Parsky. I noticed aha it was happening. Yeah, it I was like happening it. a lot where women were like they had gone from seeing themselves like with just wet hair to like like supermodel hair, right. which is like what you experience in the big reveal, which yes. is why we don't really like women like staring at themselves and not to mention that we all kind of pick ourselves apart. If you look in the mirror for 45 minutes and staring at yourself, it's just you're not just going to definitely be yes. like, I'm tired. I don't like this. I wish like blah, blah, blah. Like we just, we pick ourselves apart. So I wanted to eliminate that too. And that's kind of how we did it. So Which, by who, the way, when we first opened, people were like, where's the mirror? And like really? freaking out. I was like, I know, I know, just try. So who's, who's, what's the name of the architect that you and Josh Heitler. Okay. And then also do, is doing squeeze for us. Like he's just the greatest human ever. We love him to death. So he, you got with him. I mean, like the whole theme, the yellow and gray and all the pictures so of very, like the old Hollywood yeah. movie stars. It was a little bit of like a homage to that because the, the reason that we did that was because, you know, I went to beauty school in South Florida, like I said, and I was I worked on a lot of little old ladies because they would come in and it was like a dollar for a blowout. Right. And they, you know, they had thinner, finer hair, less hair or older, and they wanted volume and they wanted big hair. And so I, I had to learn how to do that. And then I would talk to these women and they they would tell me how they would, you know, back in their day, they'd go to the beauty parlor and they'd be with all their friends and then they'd have their hair coiffed and they wouldn't touch it for a week. And I was like, you know, again, that was something that like I just like probably buried away in my brain. And when, you know, we were concepting this idea, I was like, dry bar is really a modernized version of those like right. old school beauty parlors that, that people somewhere, come more than once a week. Maybe yeah. Even. Oh, yeah. A lot of people do. But that that behavior went away right. and got cost prohibitive. And, and, you know, hairstylists would rather do a $300 haircut than, you know, a $70 blowout or even 80 because it got it also got expensive. So that behavior was gone. And yet it was such a great thing that our grandmothers and grandmothers generation did. So that old Hollywood was kind of like a nod to that right. behavior that that went away that I feel like we kind of brought back. I love that. So now wait, I have another question. So now the other great thing about Dry Bar is you have an app on your phone. So wherever yes. you are, you know you're going to have an hour that you can go in before. Yeah. You can go on your phone, you can download the app, and then you can say, okay, I want to come in. They, they show you a location thing, then they give you a calendar, but they ask you, do you have extensions? Yeah. So there's a lot, that, that must have been enough of a thing it that was. people- It is. It is because, you know, it just, it was- I don't have extensions, by the way. So I'm always of, like, no, but so this but, is- but it, because a lot of women were coming in with like massive amounts of hair right and extensions take longer to dry and so it was just like oh you know we allot 45 minutes for a blowout and sometimes we go longer if you have really long thick hair and if you have like a short bob it takes less but it kind of it was like all a wash is how I always right. thought of it and it's pretty much been true every now and again we get like something that takes us two hours but that's a whole other story. But extensions were becoming a problem because a lot of women were coming in, whether it was like ones that were in their hair or just the clip-ons, but they were taking us another like half hour. Right. So we had, and I was reluctant because I'm so reluctant. I want to keep the, I've wanted to keep our prices as low as possible because I do understand this is an affordable luxury, but our rent goes up and time and all of that stuff. And I never wanted to charge by the time because obviously that would feel unfair for many right. reasons but we did kind of have to start doing that because it was definitely taking way longer than the allotted 45-ish minutes so that was you know a thing that we put in place and you know that's like part of growth sure absolutely all right so now there's 120 dry bars across the country 130 130 johnny yeah. get up to date it's, i mean it's moving lady. so fast johnny it's not your fault yeah and how many states are you in right now um I don't, God, I get asked that question all the time and I never know the answer. I don't, I think we're in like probably like 20 across the U.S. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. And just so that we can 
then Allie can tell me all this stuff is true again. She was in Fortune's 40 Under 40, Mary Claire's 16 Most Fascinating Women, Cosmo's 213 Powerless. So remember, this was already a while ago now. Yeah. Fast Company's 100 Most Creative People in Business. And you wrote in 2016 a book called The Dry Bar Guide to Good Hair for All, How to Get the Perfect Blowout at Home. Now, yes. isn't that... Like people always ask me about this about It's Over Easy, the website, or even about the book I wrote. Isn't that, don't you not want people like doing their own hair the at home? Yeah. No, I mean, nobody, a lot of people ask that. But no, it's like, you know, the the great thing about the book and, you know, I was so humbled by the success of it, but it was like people just want like little tips and tricks. Like right. I mentioned bangs. If you have bangs and you're like, oh, great, I have bangs. I don't know how to do them. There's something in the book about that. So there's kind of something in the book for everybody, like little tips and tricks. And so many people message me about the book saying, oh, I didn't know like a section should be this smaller. I didn't know you pull the blow dryer like this, or I didn't know you use a smaller brush for more curl. Like just there's a, it's basically like every thing I could think of in my brain, I put into the book, right. you know, coinciding with all of our styles. Are you guys still using Conair hair dryers? No, we, ne- we never used Conair. Oh, I thought the big yellow no, ones were Conair. The Conair Con hair dryers are our light fixtures okay. or were. I don't know if they're anymore, but we were, we were using another brand for a long time until we came out with our own. So right. now all the styling tools, all the products, it's all ours. It's all we, yours. We do it all ourselves. And that's been for probably the last like four years or so. Product okay. line is about five years old and we're in Sephora, Ulta, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, Macy's. I, I, we're all over the place. The product has gotten so massive. Are we supposed to wash our hair every day? No, God no. I wash my hair every day. Really? And your I'm hair is gorgeous. Okay. I mean, well, yeah, just, is, is, I is it dry like my this? Head wet. Oh, yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> this is how it dries. It actually oh, usually looks better. I don't better, like you anymore. Yes. No, it's good. I hair, that is amazing. But you're hair, right. I mean, like, your blowouts must look ridiculous if I, this is what your hair looks like naturally. My blowouts look good. My hair right now looks a little... No, it's still but, okay. really good. Well, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm impressed. Good hair. I'm impressed with your hair. Thank you. All right. So now you have all of these different products and you sell those. Yes. Now things are going really well. You've got two boys who are like about to be teens or teens or whatever. 12 and 14. 12 and 14. And what happens? Why, you know, everybody says like, well, you've got the perfect Perfect life. life. Why on earth would you be getting divorced? Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that. Everybody. Um, And you know, what's funny is like, I wanted that to be true too. And I was, I think for a very long time, I was like... I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a person who gets divorced. I'm just not going to be that person. I, I had this like thing, but, but you know, I think that like there was like a lot that was broken in my marriage that we weren't kind of paying attention to. And, and especially, you know, growing a business as fast and furiously as we were growing dry bar and raising kids, it was like, I was just so head down for so long. And, and then once I kind of took a breath, I was like, Oh, Oh, this is not this is not what I think it should be. And, you know, we made the very tough decision and it was very, very tough um, to part ways. And, and you know, being partners in business and obviously like parent partners and all of that was, you know, uh, you know, made it even harder. But, you know, ultimately, I think it was the best thing. And obviously time, as you probably know better than anybody, is mm-hmm. really the healer of all. And it was very like liberating in the beginning and then it got very, very, very difficult and challenging. And I'm, you know, now a year out of it and in a much better place, but whew, it will knock you down. Yes, it will. I mean, you have know. to be really equipped to deal with it. Generally, you come out the other side, things are better. You guys have a good relationship. Yes. Yeah, and you're you know, still working together yeah. and obviously raising the boys together. Yeah. I mean, it was at the first, like I'd say six months 
were the most challenging and we were working together, but, you know, had a little bit of luxury and not having to work, do everything in, together. You know, for me, it was like every single thing in my life kind of changed in like an instant. And right. I had shared an office with Cam and our creative team and marketing. And that all changed because I couldn't be in that office with right. him anymore. And so I didn't, I was no longer working in office and going to an office with a bunch of like girls that I knew and loved. And so like, that was like gone. And then, you know, we, we both bought separate houses. We sold our house. And then like, it was like, you know, the kids were going back and forth and it was just, you know, things were just changing a lot. We brought in a, a professional CEO in dry bar and like, I wasn't doing the day to day operations the way I was. And so that it just, everything really shifted at once, which, you know, wasn't planned. It just kind of the way it all happened. And, you know, the, the beginning was very challenging and over time, you know, we, uh, with, with time and space, which I also have a tattoo on the my side that says time and space, because it was like the thing that I kept going back to. Everything was constantly getting better with time and yes. space. And, um, you know, there were definitely some fights and there was definitely some tough moments, but we, you know, ultimately like had to come to, you know, a good place to really be able to parent our kids together and communicate. And that was the most important thing. And, you know, I, our therapist at the time was like, the most important thing is don't, you know, don't put the kids in the middle. Right. Don't let the kids like don't they, the kids should not know any details about like whose decision it was, why you're doing it, because I'm sure you know this better than anybody. You know, the kids will end up trying to like take care of one of the parents right. if they right. think that like, oh, you know, daddy did daddy cheated on mommy or daddy did something bad or mommy did something bad. And then the kids then the kids are in this place of like having to defend one parent. And so we were very like that you know that none of none of the details of any of that came came out and truly it really was like you know an amicable split so did you guys lawyer up we really didn't um we used a mediator who was a lawyer i believe mediators are lawyers right not always but he, most he of the definitely time, was yes. a lawyer who was he referred to law. us okay yeah he was he was a divorce lawyer i believe um he was referred to us by a friend and you know i, I remember cam saying to me still when things were not super things were still a little like rough and I remember him saying to me hey you know let's use the same guy I have this guy who was recommended by someone we trust and know let's use the same guy and my instinct was like because what everybody told me in watching tv and movies I was like no I have to get my own lawyer right. and I had friends who were like you got to get your own lawyer and I was like but you know everything is very amicable with us we've built this business together we're gonna you know it's gonna be a very clean split and so uh, you know, he was like, I think we can use the same lawyer and not have to spend so much money. And I was like, well, yeah, like there was there was no points of contention. Right. We, you know, we like, you know, we decided like very maturely and we had these great conversations about like what furniture each of us was taking. Right. And we were like and he was like, I want this. And I was like, oh, well, I kind of want that. And he's like, OK. I mean, it was very like, you know, we were so like kind and considerate to each other. So it just never we just used the same lawyer and it was fine. And I applaud you. I mean, yeah. that's definitely what we're all about. First of all, knowing that, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. You have time and space. I have, I mean, it's not tattooed on me, but I say it all the time. This too shall pass. Yeah. My mother but, used to always say that. But also the idea of you guys know your kids, your finances, your furniture. Yeah. Your dream in terms of the company yeah. better than anybody else. So if you can have one person or like it's over easy, we are able to do it through a website to kind of educate you as to what the law is so you can apply right. your facts to the law. Think about how, not just the money, because you guys have money, but think about how much aggravation you save yourselves. Lawyers, again, I am one, so I can say it, by our nature, we're getting paid 
per hour per conflict. More conflict, more money. Most of us, the ethical ones, are problem solvers. So we'll try to apply the law to the facts in the situation, but we're still trying to achieve a better result for our clients. If our clients really have in mind the idea of achieving a better result for themselves, then they will figure out a way to solve their conflict and move on through it. That you did that is what I believe is what we call the evolution of dissolution in terms of moving through it and why people in our culture need to approach divorce more like you and Cam did because it just makes so much more fucking sense, right? Yeah, I mean, and I I have friends who, you know, sadly are going through divorces where, you know, it's not like that. And, you know, there's a husband who's like, just like, like not giving, you know, his wife anything. And he was the one who, you know, made all the money or whatever. And I, you know, and I really feel for, you know, women or men who are going through something that's, you know, not amicable. I'm, I'm in, you know, extremely grateful that ours ended up this way and that you know cam and i were both like let's not make this harder than it has to be than it already is so yeah very very lucky and grateful for that let's talk a little bit about what got you through it ali i know that you in a recent interview with bustle you talked about broken open by elizabeth lesser tell us about that yes well that's on the list of books that i read I think that I was like, you know, I I was telling you before we went on air that I, you know, I felt so like knocked down by the divorce and like I, there are so many things that kind of threw me that I didn't see coming. And I, I read a lot of books during this time and did a lot. I went to a place called Onsite in Mm -hmm. Nashville. Have you heard of that? Mm -hmm. I mean, which was like just the most amazing place. I think everybody should go at some point in their life. You you know, you you can't have your phone for a week. You're like in outside of Nashville and there's like forests and horses and no phone, no TV, no communication with the outside world. It's fucking amazing. I highly recommend it. But I was like in, I all of a sudden just felt like I was like face down and so depressed and um, I didn't know what to do. And I, and I'm such a like baseline happy person. So it was so also jarring to me like what is wrong with me like what what happened like I thought this was like what I wanted and I'd be okay and I wasn't and I I started reading a lot of books Broken Open was one of the first ones I read I have just read so many of them now I'm reading right now Gabby Bernstein's Super Attractor Mm -mm. amazing book I mean I have a list I should just open my phone and give you the (laughs) list but yeah you know and then another thing I was doing was I mean, in addition to getting like trying to do self-care and getting a lot of massages and doing things like that, like I I have an infrared sauna. I was doing that a lot. And I was like going to a Reiki healer. I was going to spiritual healers. I was like doing everything because I was like, I... I, You're like our self-care like guinea pig. You can tell us what worked for you. I mean, I think it was the culmination of things. And um, and I started I started reading a book. No, I was on then I like was having to get it together, which was really hard because I I do a lot of like public facing things and I speak at a lot of things and like I think I was like supposed to be in The View and I turned it down because I was like I'm just gonna cry. Right. Like I couldn't really carry on a conversation with anybody without like basically telling them I was going through a divorce and I was like so severely depressed and I would cr- I literally would cry to like friends I saw on the street. It was a disaster right? for so long. And I was starting to get better. It was after Onsite and I was on a show and there was a guy who was also on the show who had written a book called Energy Speaks. I can't remember the name of, I can't remember his name, but the book was called Energy Speaks. And he had, he was on before me. And so I was listening to his interview and it was so fascinating to me because he was like an energy guy and his book is really fascinating. But 
And then I went on and I was like hoping he stayed because I really wanted to talk to him. Because by the way, I would like talk to, yeah, Lee Harris. That's it. Um, I would talk to like anybody who would, and now I kind of feel like that. (laughs) I would talk to anybody who will talk to me about divorce and healing. It's like my favorite subject now. And he said something to me that was so profound. I talked to him for maybe five minutes or less and kind of gave him like the very broad strokes that was going on because I was like, I'm so depressed. And I just, you know, got recently got divorced and I'm so down and I don't know what's wrong with me. And he's like, he's like, because your husband, whether you want to be with him or not anymore, and you may not be in love with him anymore, but he held space for you. Mm -hmm. And that space, you know, is, is a huge, massive space that's gone. And so somebody, somebody or something has to fill that, which I now have learned is me. Right. And you know, you can't like. I was going to say shopping, but okay. That's fine. (laughs) Whatever (laughs) you need it to be. I have had a shopping addiction. Or grudge fucking, but that probably not appropriate for this interview either. Blowout. It's a lot of blowouts. (laughs) It's a lot of blowouts. It really resonated with me because in that moment I was like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Like there is this person that I used to tell everything to and I would come home and talk to you about my day and I would tell my problems and blah 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 and like poof that whole thing in my life was gone and you have to grieve that I'm like I lost my mom over the summer and I'm having the same things like I can't pick up the phone and call her I can't share stuff I think people don't realize when they go through a divorce there is a death and a loss as profound as and I wouldn't accept it I remember people saying that to me and I was like no this no that's not true. Right. I He's mean, there. We talk. Yeah. You know? It's like, no, I want, I, you know, I'm like, wh- I really couldn't get my head around it until that man, Lee Harris said that to me. And I was like, holy shit, that's it. And even in, you know, and so I found that like the more books I read, the more things that like I understood about what was happening, you know, the more it, it, it like I was able to stomach it. And then I, you know, another thing that really helped change things for me, which a lot of people I'm sure talk about, but, um, you know, gratitude and being really grateful and how I, you know, I watched some shows and listened to some books and things. I would listen to books, by the way, I don't read them because I fall asleep that you, it actually can like, there can, there's like neuro pathways in your brain that if you are actually grateful for things, like it kind of can change. Like Mm -hmm. I I don't understand why that works, but it works. All you need to know is that it does work. All you need to know is it works. Like, and I have, you know, I write in a journal every day, the things that I'm grateful for, even if it's like the sun is shining. Because by the way, do you remember last year from like October to like February, it fucking rained torrential. Remember the torrential? It did not stop raining. The period during which Laura almost killed herself. Yes. Mine too. Because that's when I got, (laughs) I got separated around uh, in September of last year. And that's when it started raining and it never stopped until like March. And some and, people, my, my boyfriend's like, isn't this great? And I'm like, this is not great. I hate this. That's why I don't live in London or Seattle. <laughs> We're sunshine girls. But I That's do have to say, wired. I love the rain. I do really love the rain. For a but day, not that- on a Sunday, yes. when you're inside next to a fire and you've just made love. Yes. Fine. Done. Yes. Now it can be sunny again. Dude, I know. I was like, you. I was like, the universe is trying to kill me <laughs> with all of this rain. I was so like, oh my God, I just need the sun. And it's funny because it was my birthday's in March and- I remember I had this like really nice birthday lunch with all my girlfriends. And I remember like that being like, okay, things are starting to shift. The sun was starting to come out. It was starting to feel better, you know? And I think it, you know, I think it was like the roughest six months of my life. And I spoke to like an astrology reader person. I mean, I've truly done everything (laughs) woo woo you can do. And I love it all, uh, which I was never like that kind of person, but I certainly am now. There's crystals all over my house. I'm like, yeah. Um, (laughs) She's got but, the bracelet, the beaded bracelets, uh, channeling stuff. She was like, oh, yeah. I mean, she was like, you know, telling me like the, the way the moons were aligned and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, that was that was like 
that will be the roughest time and period of your life, you know, which okay, is like I'm when it rains. What t- I, do you <sighs> practice transcendental mediation yes, as well? Meditation, yes. I Did and I that say was, mediation. That's <laughs> a whole medi- different field of mediation. Oh, I know. <laughs> mediation is still mediation. Um, yes, and that's the other thing. I can't believe I didn't mention that because that truly was probably the most one of the most transformational things that I did. And I had a couple girlfriends who'd gone through divorce who were like you know, I was trying to get into meditation and really couldn't and didn't like know how to do it, which I now know there's not really a wrong or right way to do it. But I liked that I could go somewhere and they would teach me because I'm such a like, don't show me how to right. fix it and I'll do it, which, you know, is not an answer when you're like depressed. You right. just have to like get through it. And if I heard people say to me, like the only way um, out is through, mm-hmm. I wanted to kill anybody right. who said that. And during that time, I also became friendly with Brene Brown, who was like, oh, you know, the I best. Mean, I the, saw her at Watermark the last year. Best. Yes. And she kind of became like a friend. And she's the one who told me about Onsite and connected me. And, and so, you know, so, I mean, I was like, I was engulfing as much information as I could. And so the Transcendental Meditation was, was recommended to me. Here in LA, there's a David Lynch Foundation. And you go in and they, I mean, again, the woman who runs it, her name is Lynn. And you go in and kind of have a, a consultation and she kind of explains why it works and what it is. And it was fascinating to me. And she showed me like charts about how your brain is in fight or flight mode and and how transcendental, you know, you transcend. And I, I was so like fascinated. I was like, yes, can we start right now? And she's like, well, we'll start on Monday. And I was like, no, no, really? And I literally was like hysterical in her office. Like I, I just could not cry. And, and so I started doing it and it like, you know, it, tr- it was like the best thing I ever did. It really changed me. And I still do it 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. Wow. And I love it. And I think it's like, they say it's cumulative. Like, you, you know, it builds up over time and you, you know, you, it's like, you're constantly kind of purging a lot of like the anxiety and like depression. And I mean, I feel like I'm living proof of that, that I've been doing it religiously for probably six months. And I think it's probably the single biggest thing that helped me through all of it. That is amazing. I cannot like, I cannot say enough good things about it. And so to find out about that, people can Yeah, I mean, I Google think you it, can Google find out what's, I mean, I know I'm speaking with somebody from the David Lynch Foundation in Chicago at DePaul, oh, cool. I think at the end of this month. But they're everywhere. You can find them. You don't necessarily need I to go so. in. You can get it online, guys. We're producing a video series called Next Chapter, Life After the Divorce that talks about meditation. It talks about finance. It talks about style. Right. It talks about organization tips, all things for moving on. It's out there, guys. Educate yeah. yourself figure out how to get through it yeah I mean no matter where you live to your point yes. I, I didn't know that there was an online thing that's amazing because you you know it's really interesting the, when you learn about it and but if you have a place near you that you can go do it I, I recommend that too because like it was it was kind of interesting to do the meditation with them and you also need to get a mantra and it's like a whole thing, which of course, like the day I got a mantra, I had to bring like a piece of fruit and a fresh flower, which I'm into all that shit now. So what was your mantra? Was I it can't, I can't, you can't say you. It's, it's a all, secret mantra? Yes. Oh. Nobody can ever tell you their mantra oh, from Transcendental. Okay. Truly. Mm. Johnny, I know. It's I the bet, first thing I asked too when my friends told me they did it and they right. had a mantra. I was like, what's your mantra? No, Is like, it like, I will be strong? Right. It's nothing like that. Oh, okay. um, so yeah. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what it is. All right. Stay tuned, more with Drybar's Allie Webb and some behind-the-scenes footage from her interview with Thrive Global. As I mentioned in the opening today, at It's Over Easy, we believe in leaning on our support networks, especially in times of transition. Allie, who are some of the people you go to for encouragement? Ah, oh, gosh. Lynn at David there's, Lynch Foundation. Yes, there's so many people. I think, there, I mean, truly, I think, and you mentioned this in your intro about having a great group of friends. I have... 
an amazing support system of girlfriends. You know, I have probably four or five girlfriends that are like my ride or dies and like always there for me and I can just kind of break down. So I think first and foremost, it's it's my girlfriends. Like yes. they are everything. Um, you know, and then it's like, you know, kind of like the healers and, and like the Brene Brown and the Gabby Bernstein. And there's also a book that I loved, You're Such a Badass, I think, by Jen Sincerio is her name. That's another great book. I mean, and I'm also, I also really got into, and again, I know with the woo woo, but like Buddhism and mm-hmm. there's a book I'm reading, right? I'm literally like reading four books at a time because I kind of bounce around, but it's called Why Buddhism is True, which, you know, a lot, a lot has to do with meditation and how, you know, you don't need like the outside things to feel good about yourself. And, you know, it's like just this like very non-ego is really interesting. I mean, I'm not doing a very good job describing it, but it's had kind of a profound effect on me. I also go to a therapist and not a psychiatrist for me. And it truly was, I, when I was at my like lowest of low, I did see a psychiatrist and I did get prescribed Mm -hmm. an antidepressant and I took it one day and I felt like I was going to come out of my skin. Mm. I think I just probably had a bad reaction to, and it wasn't the right medication to me, but it scared the shit out of me. And I was like, nope, not for me. I don't, I want to be very like clear. I think whatever you need to do for yourself and I'm not against that stuff per se, but for me, it wasn't the answer. Right. Um, so I don't actively see a psychiatrist, um, but I do have a therapist. I have a life coach. Um, I have a Reiki healer, a massage therapist. I do lymphatic drainage. I mean, <laughs> I do a lot of stuff. It takes a village. It does take a village. It takes a village to be Allie Webb. But, but, I, but look but at I'm her. Telling, okay. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it, it is a lot of like, I think it's all the things. I was just telling a friend the other night. It's like, it's all the things and you can't like neglect the things. And I have done that when I've started to feel better and I was feeling really happy and excited and like whatever, then I would like chill out on the things. And then all of a sudden I was like, "Uh oh, I'm not feeling great. I need to go back to the things and like right. got back to the tried and true like methods that were working for me. Got it. Stay tuned for more with Drybar's Allie Webb and some behind the scenes footage from her interview with Thrive Global. The old quote, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger is very true for me this year. Anybody who is a single parent knows that, you know, co-parenting and, and being a single parent is It's hard. For me, I think the hardest part has been, you know, not having that person that's always been there, there to help you make decisions and to bounce ideas off of and you're, you're kind of on your own. And for me, it was, it's been a tough transition to get used to that, but also like a tremendous year of growth. So I'm in this, this kind of perpetual limbo right now, which isn't super comfortable for me, but I think I need to let it go and just kind of enjoy the moment. But I'm really excited for my next adventure and what's around the corner. Well That's done. True. And that, that was what, how many months ago? Let's based on, on hair length. Yeah. I mean, that was like, that was a while ago. I don't even remember. It was, it was, it was a while ago and I was definitely like, you know, it's been interesting. I've wanted to, I, like I told you, it's it's kind of my favorite thing to talk about is like all of this stuff now because I feel so inspired by right. it. And I also read another book called Light is the New Black. Fantastic book. And it's like so much about what lights you up, do mm-hmm. what lights you up and, and 
be, don't be embarrassed about it. You know, it's like, I mean, for me, it would truly be like singing on stage in Nashville because really, yeah, I, mean, I want to be a singer so bad, but I can't really sing. Well, I can't <laughs> sing. Let's just be clear. But if I could do one thing, that would be it. Um, but I have found that, and you know, I, you know, I have my own podcast with my brother called Raising the Bar, where we talk to other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and give advice and whatever. And I love that because I really love giving back. Um, and one of the things that I've learned through all like my reading and a lot of the Buddhism stuff is like be of service, mm-hmm. you know, and how important it is to like be of service to other people. And that's a lot of the themes in a lot of the books that I read. Um, but what I find in my own podcast, which is funny because it's with my big brother, is like I always. I always divert over to like, so what's like going really on with like, I want to talk about like the real stuff, like how people are feeling and what's going on. And like, have you been through a divorce? Are you a single mom? Like, how did you do it? You know, it's like, you should come guest host my podcast. I know. That's all we talk about. I mean, I love it. I'm so fascinated because- We don't care about your year-end profits. <laughs> or your business or whatever. I mean, I, you know, it's 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 an interesting place to be because I'm, you know, obviously my you know, dry bar and all the success has like given me- you know, a bit of a platform and, you know, but I, so much of, of who I am has changed and transformed obviously over, over the last 10 years. And then certainly most certainly over the last year. And I just, I feel so inspired by all the things that I learned. And obviously like, uh, you know, re- going through all this, I realized like how many people feel this way. And like mental health is a really big thing that people aren't talking about. They're starting to, and mm-hmm. it's getting, definitely getting out there more, but it, there is a stigma around it. And I feel like having like this kind of very small platform that I have like I, I want to talk about it more because I think it's important and I think the more I talk about it and open up about this stuff and I've gone through and the struggles and how I dealt with it you know it, it, it helps people and I get so much great feedback like you know through email and Instagram like when I do open up about this stuff that you know like people are so grateful and want to hear that and want to know how to you know do what you're doing on your show too which I think is so great so it's definitely something that I'm you know exploring ways to kind of talk about it more and what kind of that means for me next because I am very very inspired by it all let's talk a little bit about co-parenting so you and Cam still doing the business together how does it work now with the two of you kind of on the other side of the separation and at least the emotional part of the divorce with the kids are you guys a united front are you able to co-parent what's kind of the custody schedule they're not babies I know yeah no I mean they're 12 and 14 and they are definitely challenging I have a 14 year old he doesn't want to be with either one of us so it's really exactly the kids I mean (laughs) I have to say it's like they're it's a you know it's like you're straddling the fence between like oh they don't want to be with me anymore and great they don't want to be with me anymore you know it's like it's it's also freedom for you um and in the beginning we weren't really on the same page and and we had to really like it took some time to learn and adjust to like making sure we were like you know maintaining the same rules and they were going to bed at the same time there was the same like homework schedule and electronic device yeah limitations. like when do you when do you what time do you go to bed when does the phone come away like all of those things we weren't aligned on in the beginning and I think it was hard for my kids frankly and I think it was like the you know they the, the schedule that we landed on was like the three, two, three, three, two. I think it's like, you know, they come to me on Monday to Wednesday, right. Wednesday to Friday. Two, two, three. Two, right. two, three. Yeah. And then they switch on the weekend. And weekends. then they switch on the weekend. So that's kind of what we've been doing. And, and you know, we very much like take cues from the kids if they're like, because sometimes my kids are like, oh, I, I kind of want to stay with daddy longer or mommy longer. We will just kind of be like, okay. Right. Unless one of us has something planned. But that's typically how we do it. And now we're we're very much aligned and like we're we're talking all the time about like 
their school stuff and like sometimes I'm dealing more with school stuff or Cam is, but it's like a very like balanced What's your primary app. form of communication? Do you guys text? Do you text. have one of the apps? Text. I'm, I'm a texter too. We're yeah. texting constantly. Text is my primary form of everything. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even send me an email. Can you right. please just text me? Yes. I hate email. I really have come to hate email. I've, I just, my email, my, I think I have like 22,000 emails. I mean, yes. I, I, they're not all new or anything, but. Somebody just sent an email. Yeah. <laughs> somebody just sent, yeah. There's just so many emails. Like I so love text. Please just text me. And, and you know, I, I do a lot of like audio text, which right. is also great. But yeah, so Cam and I basically communicate. And do you guys share text. like a child care provider? Is there a nanny yeah, or driving person we that do. helps? Okay. We have a nanny slash housekeeper who kind of, you know, is like picking up the kids and mm-hmm. she's a godsend and she's, you know, helping us like when we the kids forget something or I forget something or our houses are less than a mile away so it's easy for her to like run over and get something you know which was also by design you know we didn't want to change one of the first things my kids said to me was like am I gonna have to take a different bus to school like am I gonna like not have the same friends and it was like no no your life is not gonna really change right I mean you're gonna have two houses and I think that annoys them a little bit sometimes when like you know, my one a shirt is at my, you know, my ex's house and they want that and whatever, like that, that adjustment is a little challenging right. for them, but they will say things to me like, I like this better about your house or I like this better about daddy's house. And it's just kind of like, they have two houses. It's, my kids it actually it like now. it. They, yeah. they, and whatever they think that they can't get away with at one house, they'll try it the other, which is why it's also really important that I'm because really in touch with their that dads. Was a, that was a problem for us oh, too yeah. until we, we finally aligned and it was like, oh yeah, you can't do this or you know I will and even to the point where like I was like I remember recently I was really frustrated with my son and I was texting Cam about it and he was like do you want me to take him like if you guys are having a really hard time do you want me to take him and it was my time Mm -hmm. but I was like no no but it was nice that he did that and and, you know and it's the same thing like you know we're so one of my friends who you know um, you know has a very like rigid kid schedule that like cannot change like right. ours is so fluid yes. and like Cam was like Cam's birthday is coming up and he needed to switch the schedule because he was going to go out of town and I was like yeah no problem we just like switched up and so again it's why all of that stuff and I so believe in like energy and what you put out there and I feel like you know the fact that we're so like both of us on both sides are so easy with that with the kids I think it translates to like our overall like happiness and like, and it cuts down on their yeah. anxiety and, your yeah, co-parent exactly. is ultimately going to be your best child care provider you know 100%. shoulder to lean on fill in person if you are able to be that for him or her and so we wrote this article for the it's over easy blog called co-parenting with an asshole what i say to so uh, many people is don't you be the asshole. Right. Like you be the parent that you would love to be co-parenting with and Great generally the other person will rise to the occasion. And But you got to put it out there first. Totally. I mean, there's there's been times where I'm like, you know, I, I've like been away or something and, and like we, by the way, we also talk about like who we're dating. Like we're, right. we go on hikes together and like we tell each other kind of everything, yeah. now, which is so fun. Um, but, you know, there was like a time where I was like away on a weekend trip with a guy and I wanted to like come back later and I asked him if like he could, I could, you know, grab the kids tomorrow. And he was like, yeah, no problem. I'm not doing anything tonight, you know? And I, and you're right. I will do the same thing for him when he needs Absolutely. something. I'll make that concession too. And so it is a two way street and you're right. If you're doing it, then they will do it. And your kids so feel that. I they don't totally need to agree. know every extra thing you do. But to there's a be harmony a solid, that yeah, they can feel. But they can feel it. They can feel everybody's on the same page. They can feel that you yeah. guys are still a family. I mean, my younger son said to me a couple weeks ago, 
he was like, my, I feel like my kids are so insightful. I think kids are just insightful. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he's like, he, he's like, everything seems better now, mommy. He was like, I feel like you're better. Daddy's better. I feel better. Like, he's like, everybody just seems better now. I'm like, right. yeah, we had a bit of a shit show of a year, but like, we're better. Like, we made it through. Kids want to see their parents happy. Yeah. And we have so many parents in our generation who stayed together for the, the wrong kids. reasons and then like came out with this badge of honor. Like, we always stayed married. Yeah. Like you were saying, like, I wasn't going to be those people that are going to get divorced. Yeah. Nobody walks down the aisle thinking that they're going to get divorced, right. I hope. But definitely people hit a point where they're like, as a matter of principle, refusing to do so. And I don't necessarily think that that makes for a healthy relationship yeah. if you've really exhausted the possibilities of trying to see if you can work it out. And it's funny because I don't think I even realized, I, I used to say to people like, I, I didn't think Cam and I like fought a lot necessarily like in front of the kids. Like I think like we weren't completely happy, but we were. it was like okay and... I remember my older son saying to us recently, like, oh, no, it's so good that you and daddy got divorced. You fought all the time. And I was like, oh. Whoa, right. I didn't know you thought that. because no, they I absorb just, it all. Yeah. They, I mean, you know you know that and people say that. But, like, at that moment, it really hit me. Like, oh, shit. It, he saw that, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's like, you, you know, you have to present your best self. And, and be. I think when you're happy, that comes through. And it's important for your kids to see you that way. So tell us a little bit about Michael. You've had two significant pivots in terms of relationships in your life, pivoting from your brother, pivoting from your husband in some ways, and then not in other ways. Where's Michael now? So Michael and I are still business partners in Dry Bar. Okay. We're still still very involved, although we don't have to be in the day-to-day the way we used to. Um, But And then we started our new company, Squeeze, which Brittany Driscoll is the CEO, and she was our former head of marketing at Dry Bar. And so she you know, she was leaving on great terms and was going to go work for another company. And, and Michael and I were like, we've been sitting on this idea for this massage concept for a while, but don't have had the bandwidth because of Drybar to do it ourselves. So we asked her if she wanted to do it and she did, and she's amazing. And so that's kind of been our new venture. And we have a couple other things that we're working on in the works. So um, like the mantra, you guys can't know them yet. Relationships are not always easy, and some evolve in ways that take people in different directions. This is All's Fair. I'm your host, Laura Wasser, and my guest today is the woman who not only disrupted the beauty industry, but she's also transformed it by reshaping the traditional salon into her very own empire that fills the gap in the market between full-service salons and supercuts or fantastic Sam's by offering a reasonably priced blowout that makes your hair feel absolutely fantastic. Not like Fantastic Sam's, though, apparently. We're talking about next chapters, co-parenting, and moving on fabulously. So let's get back to that. So tell us, Allie, a little bit about Squeeze. So Squeeze, it was basically this massage concept idea that my brother and I had been kind of sitting on for a long time. Really, Michael felt really strongly about doing this because we are such massage goers and have been our whole life. And ironically, similar to Dry Bar, where there was just kind of this gap in the, in the market, it's the same kind of thing with massage. You know, there's like high-end spas that are very expensive or there's like kind of the hole in the wall places. And then there's like the big chains, but none of them are delivering, you know, it's either the the cost prohibitive and it's a whole like thing because it's a spa or the experience isn't great. And so we basically got together the founding team of Dry Bar. So Cam did all the creative, Josh Heitler, who's our architect for Dry Bar, designed the space. Um, And then we brought in Brittany Driscoll, who is our former head of marketing at Dry Bar to run it. She's now the CEO of it. And so basically it's a beautiful space and I, you haven't come you haven't Mm-mm. come in, but you should come in and check it out too. But 
the space is beautiful. It's called Squeeze. But the big differentiator is that it's all, everything happens through the app. So you, you book your massage on the app. And when you go to the app, you basically like, put in every preference you could imagine. There's like, there's a picture of like all the body parts so you can talk about like which body parts you want worked on, like the type of pressure you like on that spot of your body, like everything you could think of, like the room temperature, the lighting, the music, you know, it's all so customized and you do the majority of the customization on the app and then you pay on the app, you book on the app, you tip on the app. Oh, so, I love that. So you, it's like, it's kind of like Uber or Postmates. I was just so, going to say, yeah. it's like Uber. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to put my credit card you in the thing. Do I don't anything. have to calculate a tip. So what's great is like you walk in, you're like, hi, I'm Laura. I'm here for my massage. You go, you go into a room where the massage therapist pretty much knows everything you want already. They kind of like touch base with you, go over it. And then one of my favorite things is like, it's so little, but it's such a big deal because like right under the bed, there's a little button. So once you lay down in the mm-hmm. bed, you push this button and then a light goes on outside your room so they know There's the not that weird knock. There's not the weird knock and there's not the like, you know, you're like running to get under the right. covers because you're like <laughs> naked and you're like, shit, don't come in. You know, but that is all eliminated. I like so that. So we basically- And there's not that awkward after the happy ending at the end. You could just leave, <laughs> There's which no is happy good, ending, there's like people. no making not out. That kind of right. um, not, not that kind of massage. Not that kind of massage. So, you know, so, every, so everything is so personalized. You remember everything that you, they write down everything about your your service and when you're done you literally walk out and leave you don't have to talk to anybody you don't have to check out it's a transactionless business so people love it I mean I'm probably the number one client I go all the time I'm like Brittany am I still the number one she's like well there's a couple mm-hmm. people meeting you I'm like what but I love it and you know I literally you just walk there's a parking there's a little parking how many cities are door. you in with squeeze right just now we LA. just one okay and yeah and we're, we're probably doing a franchised kind of model so you know we're gonna we're gonna announce all that pretty soon and then yeah we, we are gonna go big and far and what's great is that it accommodates men too which historically our businesses are only for women right so yeah, we're really excited, and you know the projections are killing it. Our Yelp reviews are insane. I mean, we've we're, we've been so so picky. I mean, and I give so much credit really to Brittany and the team she's cultivated. I mean, the massage therapists are all amazing. You know, we've we've gotten so few. Now, did those guys have to be licensed? Yes, okay, percent. Yeah, all right. And we have found that you know our massage therapists really love the experience at Squeeze that they have, and that you know everything is so like clean and buttoned up, and we're you know taking very good care of them. It's it's really exciting. I mean, it's really neat to start a new business and have it like, you know, knock on wood. Work out. Work, yeah. What's the ratio? Okay, so do women generally request women and men generally request women or do women, like how does that work? I you mean, know, I always I like a woman because I had a bad experience one yeah, time. That's a good question. <laughs> I didn't want a happy ending and I, yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> happened the night before I took the bar too. Full like tongue in the mouth, everything. What? Yeah, it was awful. For I was real? only 20... It was a guy. Five, it was yeah, a guy? it was a guy. Yeah, it was a great massage too. That was the biggest bummer. And then he bummer. like tried to make out with you after I told him. Oh, and I'm taking the bar tomorrow, which so it's like basically the biggest, most like yeah. nerve. And I had saved like my coupon that a friend had given me, like a gift certificate for my birthday, which was in May, and now I'm taking the bar in July. And I told him this, and like I said, great massage, like getting up, like sit up with the sheet, and then he just like swooped in for the. And I was like, yeah. Oh my god! What did you do? Did you smack him? I said, I think you need to leave now and I was like totally shaking every oh, moment of like man, relaxation so, had gone away 
it was horrible. And I then it was that horrible, awkward moment where like, it's just happened. It's so raw. I didn't even report him right then. I did call a few days later after I took the bar and I was like, you need to know that this dickhead's working for you. But I mean, I think I even might have tipped him. I think it was part of the gift certificate. Yeah. Like it just, it oh, was such a bad experience. So and not that that couldn't happen if the masseuse had been a woman, but generally if I yeah. could probably take her, I, you know. I could have taken this dude. Wow. I mean, knock on wood, it's, that's never happened to me, but you hear stories like yeah. that all the time. But we're very picky about who we hire. But man, that is crazy. I used I'm, to be really hot. That's you are what, really it's hot. just they couldn't resist. No, I mean, it was just, that's like a predator thing. That was it just is. bad. Totally and and so yeah. that's why I'm always interested in businesses like this because it is, it's a very vulnerable place to be. And I was talking to a friend of mine who's a masseuse. You know, they have some of those apps now on your phone where you can get a masseuse yeah. to come to your yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, how does that work? Not so much for the recipient of the massage, but from the masseuse, you're just going to some like random house. She's like, no, I never, I, I only go I think it's bad and know the people. Right, I think it's bad on both sides. Like, I, you know, it's, funny because before squeeze I we you know Cam and I would have some come into the house but I never did it unless Cam was there right but as like a single like woman living in a house by myself like there's no way I'm having a stranger come I you know the, the woman who actually trains all of our therapists she does come to my house every once in a while if I can't get into squeeze because right. ironically I can't get in a lot <laughs> um but but yeah, no, I don't, I don't think having someone come to your house is great. But I don't really know what the ratio is. That's a good question. I'll have to ask Brittany. I think that in my experience, anecdotally, I think that women prefer women. Mm-hmm. And I think men prefer women. Right. I, I but actually, there's all these male masseuses. And, there, and there's, we have a lot of them at Squeeze. Yeah. I've, I actually kind of like a male masseuse because I like a really, really firm massage. Right. So I like, like, you know, guys are very strong. Although right. we have a lot of really strong female therapists too. So I don't know. I'd be curious actually to know that. I'm going to ask. All right, tell us a little bit about Shark Tank before we wrap up, because I'm I'm fascinated. So I, well, I was on the cover of Inc. Magazine about six months ago or mm-hmm. so, which was like also like a holy shit, like who who do I think I am on the cover of a magazine? That was like quite the moment for me. But the uh, the showrunner of Shark Tank saw me on the cover and and basically just kind of cold called me and was like, hey, I saw you on the cover of Inc. And we're always looking for like strong female sharks guest sharks to come on the show would you be interested and I was like yeah do I have to use my own money (laughs) and he was like yeah and I was like oh shit let me call you back so I actually I got my brother Michael to I was like I'm gonna if I go in Shark Tank whatever investments I make will you split it with me and he because we kind of do everything together and I he was like sure Allie and it's funny because if he was here and he tells this story out he was very freaked out about that and I was like listen I'm not gonna do anything crazy and a lot of the people who come on the show are are asking for like a $500,000 investment I was like we're not going that high you know and I was like this is my own money but yeah it was it was a really neat experience and I so you invested in Zookie's cookies what's that so Zookie's is like basically like make your own dog treat company okay and you know these two guys these like you know, entrepreneurs, really passionate about what they're doing. When they came out and, you know, and showed us these cookies, like, you know, as like a person with two dogs and a huge dog lover and knowing that, you know, this, this pet space is ginormous. Yes. I'm also an investor in Healthy Spot, yes. which is another boutique yes. um, kind of animal company. And so I knew that I could get them into there and I just felt like, I, you know, I have such passion around this. I felt like they needed to have some help with branding and whatever, but I thought it was a really great business because I think people, you know, will buy these because I think people are obsessed with their dogs. It's a great gift. And so I made that investment and it's been really fun. Good. Those guys. Yeah. I have to tune in. I saw the ink cover, but I haven't seen Shark Tank. All right. So 
Summing up, Allie, in law, interrogatories are a formal set of written questions propounded by one litigant and required to be answered by the other to clarify matters of fact. I only understood like four I know. Of those I words. only understood that too, and I've been there doing was this for twenty-five some words years. I was like, okay, so interrogatories are something. It's like a formal discovery method. Okay, yeah. so because you know my initials are law, I'm a lawyer, so we want to know on all sphere. We've got interrogatories. That is crazy, your initials are law. I know. There's a whole. Is that why that you too. went to? I was going to say beauty school. Yes. No, law, law school, whatever it's called. Law Lawyering school. school. That thing. That thing. Yes. My, I was conceived the night my dad found out that he passed the California bar. So I think I was going to be Rebecca. I would have been raw. I would have gone into porn. <laughs> would have been wow. exactly. Hey, my name was almost Bambi. My there mom wanted to name me Bambi. Can you imagine what my life would have been like? Talk about also going into porn. Yeah, exactly. We could have been friends. I'm going to be in trouble after this interview. <laughs> All right, so we do, again. we do ask these all sphere interrogatories. So do you okay. swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Oh, I've never been asked that. I've never been in court. Yes. Okay. I swear. So would you ever consider getting married again? Yes. Okay. And what's your favorite love song? Oh, gosh. That was so hard. I don't know. What's my favorite love song? Probably some like... Kenny Rogers song. Really? Yes, I love country. Take you for a country or like girl. Johnny okay. Cash. Oh, okay. Like one of those. Ring right. of Fire. Ring of Fire. Well, not about so Ring much. of Fire, but um, <laughs> that's another situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a country girl through okay. and through. And what rom-com could you watch on repeat? God, you certainly know them all. I can't walk into one of those places without seeing them. Oh my God. There's so many good ones. Um, probably uh, The Devil Rose Prada. Nice, like it. Okay. I like the transformation. I do piece too, of that. and I love her clothes. I mean, and it holds up, by the way, because it I was in a dry up. bar a couple of weeks ago, and just watching Andy walk down the street, she's she's a still she. Outfits are good. Yes, that's all. All right. So then, say. finally, look, Johnny, I'm throwing a curveball in here. What does family look like for you? Who's your tribe? Who's your immediate family? I mean, certainly my brother Michael. He's like, you know, probably the most important man in my life um you know my father but my brother's here and you know we i talk to him 17 times a day and then with the exception of my kids and cam who will always be my family my you know my girlfriends that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. i like have four like ride or dies that are just my people and i can go to for anything at any time love it yeah Allie, thank you so much for being with us today. Hold Thanks. on. This I think so I've got fun. an outro that Johnny wants me to read. Oh, Johnny. And it did start out with, Allie, thanks so much for being here today <laughs> at All's Fair. Tell people where they can find you, Instagram and all that stuff, and, and about your podcast, please. So you can find me on Instagram at Allie Webb, A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B, -B, um, or you can go to The Dry Bar, which is at The Dry Bar, or Squeeze, which I think is just Squeeze Massage. I should know that. Um, and I have my own podcast called Raising the Bar that Michael and I give all sorts of advice to entrepreneurs. Oh, Squeeze Instagram is just Squeeze. Sorry. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, I think we were something else and then we switched it. But anywho, Squeeze and Dry Bar are my businesses. And yeah, my personal is Allie Webb and Raising the Bar is my podcast. Uh, that's on iTunes. Uh, thank you for listening. Yes. Oh, and also check out new episodes of Shark Tank, which airs on ABC. Yes. Thanks for listening to All's Fair. Leave us a review at iTunes and let us know what you think about today's show. Remember, your next chapter is unwritten and it all starts today. I'm Laura Wasser, your host, and we'll be back next week. So let's chat then.